This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Tuesday, December 7th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Ambrose, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us across our great nation, across America here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Tuesdays, we should try to pray to our guardian angels, asking them for help in our everyday lives. That's why they're there to help us. Today also marks the 80th anniversary of the attack against America by Japan in Pearl Harbor. We want to take a few moments to remember that day, December 7th, 1941. Just two hours into the attack, a KGU reporter made the only known live report of the battle by telephone to NBC in New York. And now we take you to Honolulu. John Daly speaking from the CBS newsroom in New York. Here is the Far East situation as reported to this moment. The Japanese have attacked the American naval base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and our defense facilities at Manila, capital of the Philippines. In communication with Columbia's radio station, KGMB in Honolulu, we heard here in New York that the Pearl Harbor base had been attacked and anti-aircraft fire was heard. A telephone message to the United Press from Fort Schaefer in Hawaii said that 50 planes attacked the island of Oahu. Vice President, Mr. Speaker, members of the Senate, of the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Those were the words of President Franklin D. Roosevelt that we as Americans will never forget. That was the 9-11 of that time. Every year on December 7th, we honor and remember the 2,403 service members and civilians who were killed during the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. Another 1,178 people were injured in the attack, which permanently sank two U.S. Navy battleships 
ships, the USS Arizona and the USS Utah, and destroyed 188 aircraft. Now I want to bring in my partner, Glenn Leverance. Glenn, how is the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor being remembered on this day? Well, in, uh, in Pearl Harbor, they'll have a remembrance ceremony. They'll have uh, about uh, 40 uh, survivors will be on hand uh, in Hawaii today. Uh, it starts at 7.40 a.m. local time. There'll be that moment of silence, 7.55 a.m., the moment the attack began uh, 80 years ago. Uh, President Biden has issued a proclamation proclaiming, We honor the patriots who perished commemorate the valor of all those who defended our nation and recommit ourselves to carrying forth the ensuing peace and reconciliation that brought a better future for our world. And kind of interesting, John, too, uh, for my folks who've both passed away long ago, but uh, my mom graduated high school that year and always talked about you know, Pearl Harbor Day. That, that date stuck in her mind and changed my dad's life as he served in the South Pacific for almost four years. Not long ago, I rediscovered his discharge papers. Uh, he was a staff sergeant in an anti-tank company serving in uh, Australia, New Guinea, and the Philippines as well. And didn't talk a lot about all of that. And uh, one time we had done a little project to say, what are some things you remembered in, in life? You know, what's something you thought you'd never see? We think it might be, you know, man on the moon, computers, etc. But uh, his answer was the USA. He was over there so long in the South Pacific in the middle of World War II, he thought he'd never see home again. And happily, he did. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, we can't imagine. We had 9-11, but this, this was the 9-11 for that generation and more. Your dad was a part of that great generation. And let's, uh, I think we should pray for these 40 survivors. Most of them are close to 100 years old uh, to be able to be alive and be able to actually be there to celebrate today. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Glenn. Thanks for sharing. Hey, sure thing, John. On this 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, let's pray for unity in our nation. Let's pray for peace. Let's invoke the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, to protect our nation, to protect America. We start each hour giving thanks to our Lord for the many blessings to the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. The Apostle St. Paul writes, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, godly and respectful in every way. The Apostle St. Paul reminds us to pray for our government. It means to pray for our leaders. If we don't agree, even if we don't agree with their policies or their politics, we're called to pray for our president, 
our Congress and all of our leaders because the Lord in his infinite ocean of mercy wants all men to be saved and to come to know the knowledge of the truth. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. And now let's talk about love. Yes, indeed, La Guadalupana. December is full of feast days, December 9th and December 12th. We celebrate the feast of St. Juan Diego and Our Lady of Guadalupe, Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe, the patroness of the Americas. We're now joined by international bilingual evangelist Martha Fernandez Sardina to continue with our weekly series, Remember You Are Love, to discuss what St. Juan Diego and Our Lady of Guadalupe can teach us about love. Martha is also a teacher, trainer, writer, consultant, outreach developer, and the former director for evangelization for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and San Antonio. She's also the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com and host of Remember You Are Love TV series. Good morning, Martha. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Good morning. Great to be with you as well. Lovely music to begin. Absolutely. To get us in the spirit of La Guadalupana, Our Lady Guadalupe and, and St. Juan Diego. Let, let's start with St. Juan Diego. The feast day is coming up on, on December 9th. Can you talk to us about who St. Juan Diego was? He was an eagle that speaks. That was his name, in fact, St. Juan Diego. He was born in 1474 and lived until 1548. He was a humble man, but he became a powerful messenger in the wilderness, kind of a voice in the wilderness, so to speak. He was a simple indigenous uh, husband and nephew. And according to, according to a well-documented tradition, uh, he was born in Cuatitlan, I can't pronounce these uh, indigenous names, but Cuatitlan, uh, which is the kingdom of Texococo belonging uh, to the ethnic group of the Chichimecas. And his mother gave him that name, Cuatlatuatzing, uh, which means eagle who speaks or he who speaks with an eagle. And uh, he was married, but they had no children. And he was a, a baptized Catholic. He was a very devout Catholic, as a matter of fact, who took time and made uh, the effort to go into town every week to receive uh, instruction in the faith, catechesis. And he was actually on his way there a Saturday morning, November, uh, December 9th, uh, 1531, when Our Lady appeared to him the first time of, of a few, uh, several times. And then he became thereafter, John, the confidant of the sweet lady of Tepeyac, as Pope St. John Paul II, I believe, called her. And, and we see how after the apparitions, he lived a life of prayer and penance and frequent mass attendance in a very simple lodging uh, dedicated to evangelizing, sharing the message, sharing the image, the codex, which speaks still to this day volumes uh, as her choice, uh, uh, chosen messenger um, and, um, and speaks volumes to us today besides her very words and the promises that she made in 1531. 
Well, Martha, let's talk about uh, those miraculous events that unfolded for four days uh, in December of 1531, uh, when our blessed Lord willed uh, to meet mankind through his own mother, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Can you talk to us uh, about uh, these apparitions? Yes, well, it was during December 9th and December 12th in 1531. That's why we celebrate the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe on December 12th. And it happened on the hill of Tepeyac, which is today uh, Mexico City, which I've had the pleasure of visiting three times. Once I actually made a, a whole week-long retreat uh, right at the Basilica. Um, and this was uh, the 10th anniversary of the conquest by Hernán Cortés, the conquistador who overthrew the Aztec uh, Empire. And there, were, there was a lot of... Um, of infighting there with the different tribes and, and the different Indians themselves, but also between some of the uh, um, conquistadores and the local people, there was tension. They weren't making great progress with, uh, with the task of evangelization. And in the midst of all of that, which by the way, was just 14 years after uh, the Augustinian priest, Martin Luther, uh, was conquered by his own personal and theological struggles and he reneged of the Catholic faith and made a rather public and definitive and far-reaching uh, display of his leaving the faith. And then Our Lady appears to St. Juan Diego, St. Juan Diego, and in the image makes a rather public and definitive and far-reaching statement herself uh, and brings millions, some say eight to nine million people into the faith. But that first encounter, John, was him walking over the top of the hill on his way into town, as I said, for catechetical instruction. And she appeared to him as a very sweet, young, pregnant virgin hovering over the coarse ground uh, in the cool of the dawn. And, it and he heard what were like chirping, the sound of chirping birds, a, a sweet heavenly sound. And then she began to speak so lovingly, so tenderly as a sweet, caring mother and gave him in that first encounter an assignment to be her voice, her messenger, the eagle that speaks, and to deliver a request of hers to the Spanish Franciscan Bishop, Fray Juan de Sumarraga, to build there a chapel where she would bestow her graces and her love. So that's just in a nutshell, um, the context. I find it fascinating that Our Lady Guadalupe uh, spoke very affectionately, uh, almost like a little boy uh, calling uh, St. Juan Diego Juanito Juan Dieguito when she spoke to him. Yes, and I call him because I pray to him every day for his intercession, Juan D. Juan D, just I shortened the Diego. I love the name Diego, as a matter of fact. And um, she appeared to him um, at four times, but also she appeared to his uncle, uh, Juan Bernardino. And then in a sense, you could say that the sixth apparition was when she appeared at the moment of the uh, imprinting or the stamping, if you will, of her image on his cloak that was full of uh, flowers, which never grow uh, in that region at that time of the year in December, um, which she had uh, told him to, uh, to collect. But I can get into that in a moment if you'd like to hear then back to that first apparition where you say she called him Juanito. Well, that's what happened in that first apparition on December 9th. She said, Juanito, dearest Juan Dieguito, my dearest son, where are you going? And by the way, there are various translations, but this is just one that I picked, know and understand well, you my most humble son, that I am the ever virgin, holy Mary, mother of the true God, for whom or by whom we live, of the creator of all things, 
the Lord of heaven and earth. And right there, John, we begin to see how evangelistic her message was from the very moment. She reveals, you are my son, I am your mother, because I am the Holy Virgin, all there, right there, what we're going to celebrate, uh, the, the, the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, the fact that it was a virgin birth of our Lord, which we celebrate on Christmas, that she is the mother of the one true God by whom we live, not the false gods to whom we have to offer living sacrifices and living hearts and such th things, and that he is the creator of heaven and earth. And then she went on to express her desire, I wish that a temple be erected here quickly so that I may therein exhibit and give all my love, compassion, help and protection, because I am your merciful mother to you, the graces will come, to you and to all the inhabitants of this land and all the rest of my children who love me, invoke me and confide in me, which includes all of us. Listen to here, she said, I will listen here to their lamentations and remedy all their miseries afflictions and sorrows. And isn't that beautiful? That speaks to us about the love of God and the love that God gives us through the mother of Christ, Mary. And she goes on to say in that first apparition, John, just to wrap it up, I wish to accomplish here what my clemency intends. So go to the palace of the Bishop of Mexico and you will say to him that I manifest my great desire that here in this plane, a temple be built, be built to me and you will accurately relate all that you have seen and admired here and you have been told so and then she sends him off and tells him you will have your reward because i will make you happy and worthy of recompense for the effort and the fatigue in which you will obtain what i have entrusted which is a great promise to you and to me john and to all of us that if we fulfill the will of god we will be rewarded St. Juan Diego was instructed to go uh, see the bishop. The bishop at first did not uh, believe him, uh, Franciscan Bishop Fray Juan Sumaraga. Uh, how did the bishop respond? Well, he was attentive. He listened. He asked him, but he told him, maybe I'll listen to you with a greater attention at a later date. So San Juan Diego, well, Juan Diego, he came back to Our Lady, and he told her, I, I, I delivered the message, but he didn't believe me. He, he He's didn't believe me. And he went on to say, maybe you should send someone else. Maybe you should send someone who's a somebody, not me, who am a nobody, a worm of a man. And so our lady was undeterred and said, listen, my little son, you must understand that I have many servants and messengers to whom I could entrust this message, the delivery of my message and carry out my wish. But it is precisely you who must solicit and assist me through this. In other words, she was showing something that was very important for the indigenous people, but for every single one of us today who might feel or might be treated like a nobody. Yeah, I need you, specifically, I need you, precisely you, though I have many other messengers, because this actually adds uh, power to the message that it was a so-called nobody who is actually elevated. And she even says at one point, I who have the honor of being your mother. And she says, I earnestly implore you, my son, to go back. So anyway, she sends him back, ask him, go in my name and make known my wish in its entirety that he must start the erection of a temple, which I ask of him. It was so beautiful because she adds there again, I tell you that I in person, the ever virgin, Holy Mary, mother of God sent you to tell him the Bishop. So he actually goes back very diligently and uh, well, actually, she says, go back the next day. And, uh, and that's when the third apparition occurred on December uh, 10th. 
the uh, the moment when the bishop actually uh, sees the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe imprinted on the tilma of Juan Diego. It was an awe-inspiring uh, moment. Can you uh, describe uh, that moment for us? Well, what happened was uh, he's supposed to see him. He goes back and tells him the bishop listens to him attentively, then sends away uh, some servants to follow him, and they uh, they lost sight of him. And then Juan Diego uh, has a little detour, which I'd love to get into with you really quickly before we go to December 12th. What happens is <clears throat> he's supposed to go back to see uh, this um, um, situation with, with uh, because the bishop asked that second time. He said, ask the lady for a sign. So he was supposed to come back, but his uncle... Uh, fell ill. So Juan Diego says, I'm going to go get a priest for him for last rites. So he says, I'm going to skirt the Our Lady because if she interrupts me, we're not going to get the priest on time. So he goes to the bottom of the hill uh, so as to avoid the top. And she appears to him down there. And she comes with such tenderness and says, what worries you? Why Why does any illness or anything, any anguish, am I not here when I'm your mother? Am I, are you not under my protection? I am I not your health? Are you not happily within my whole fold and the crossing of my arms? And look up that. I'm going to post it on my uh, Facebook page uh, and profile today. Let nothing grieve, grieve you. Let nothing disturb you. And so she says, I know here are, here's the miracle that the, here, here's the sign that the bishop has asked for. And go up to the top of the hill, collect these roses, put it in your tilma, which by the way is a very important piece here. The tilma is just a rough, coarse kind of a, 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 a covering, but it also... Uh, is is a sign of merit and during marriages they retire together so anyway he comes to the bishop they let him in after much trouble the servants didn't want to let him in and when he opens the tilma a miracle happens right there our lady's image is imprinted the flowers fall on the ground and the image is imprinted and the bishop falls on his knees so do all the others who are in the room, including a translator, some of his servants, etc., and immediately embraces this miracle, this sign. For all that we know, maybe he asked for roses. We don't know. And in the eyes of Our Lady, scientists have detected that there are images of those who were present in the room, which is why I said that in a sense you could say that it was actually the sixth apparition because she appeared there at the moment and imprinted her image, which should have lasted no longer than five or 10 or maybe a third, you know, best 50 years, but it's been almost 500 years. So thereafter, they took the image, they put it in a place of prominence where everyone to this very day can see it, venerate Our Lady, pray to Our Lord, ask the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which I myself did. In fact, I saw the image right up close in the, in the vault where it is. I had that privilege. And to this day, John, every single one of us during this week and throughout the year can commit ourselves to Our Lady and ask her to intercede for us before the throne of grace. Well, Martha, um, there's so much more that we could talk about. We could spend hours talking about uh, the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe. But uh, thank you for giving us uh, that brief summary of this beautiful story. So much that we can learn from Our Lady of Guadalupe about the love of God uh, using her, her image. Uh, but uh, thanks again uh, for, for being with us, Martha. Thank you, and God bless you. And remember, you are loved. And you are loved as well. Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com and the host of Remember You Are Love TV series. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Relevant Radio CEO Father Rocky, Father Francis Hoffman, will join us to talk about the upcoming Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air after this. 
Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Thirty-three minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, tomorrow, December 8th, the Catholic Church celebrates the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the patronal feast day of the United States. Although the dogma of the Immaculate Conception was not formally defined until the 19th century, the Catholic Church has always believed in the teaching from the earliest of times. What is the biblical basis for understanding the Immaculate Conception, and what can we learn from our Blessed Mother Mary on this day, especially during this Advent season? We're now joined live by Father Francis Hoffman, Father Rocky, the CEO of Relevant Radio, to talk about the Immaculate Conception. Father Rocky is a priest of Opus Dei. He was ordained by Pope St. John Paul II and is the author of several books, including Mary at the Crossroads of History. Here in Edmond, you can join Father Rocky and the Family Rosary across America with all your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every single night of the week on Relevant Radio, the Relevant Radio app, and even on your smart tv father rocky great to be with you once again Uh, thanks for joining us i can't believe that it was 18 years ago right about this time that you did your very first interview for relevant radio on the upcoming feast of our lady of guadalupe and john who did that interview uh your humble correspondent (laughs) i remember meeting you about this time a year back in 2003 and after Mass over a cup of coffee and a donut, you asked me if I knew anything about Our Lady Guadalupe. And I said, I happen to know a lot about Our Lady Guadalupe because I spent 15 summers down there in service projects. And I'm actually going to speak Spanish. And so then you invited me. Could I come to the studio of Relevant Radio in Chicago on the Feast of Guadalupe to talk about her? I said, I'd love to, but I can't because I've got a full-time job as a chaplain in Northridge Prep. But you, undeterred, as only you can be undeterred. <laughs> he said, well, how about if I come to your office and we tape record a, an interview in your office during lunchtime? I said, okay, you can do that. And you came and you brought your gym bag. You opened your gym bag like Felix the cat. And you pulled out a <laughs> microphone and a digital recorder. And I go, hot dog, that's amazing, right? And so then you recorded me. And then I thought that was that, right? And then about a week later, a lot of my friends were saying, hey, I heard your voice on this Catholic radio station called Relevant Radio. That was kind of my introduction radio, and that was 18 years ago. So I've been on the air um, uninterrupted for 18 years, and I'll start it with Our Lady Guadalupe, which we celebrate this coming Sunday. And this is a wonderful season of the year, Advent, because I think it's the only time of the year we have three major feast days of the Blessed Mother within four days. Right, the 8th, 
the 10th, and the 12th. So the 8th is tomorrow. That's the Immaculate Conception. The 10th is the Feast of Our Lady of Loretto. And the 12th this year is a Sunday. It's the Feast of Guadalupe. That's huge in the Western Hemisphere. It's huge in Chicago out at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Des Plaines. There are like 1,000 people on horseback this weekend. I saw that, Father. That? I was reading it in the Tribune this weekend. Wow. Yeah, that's... Absolutely amazing, uh, and they're expecting a massive crowd once again after since they didn't have it last year because of COVID. Uh, they're expecting uh, two to three hundred thousand uh, uh, faithful to to come to the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe here at the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in Des Plaines. I've uh, been there many many times. I'm sure it's going to be very glorious. It'll probably be very cold if it's anything like this morning. Well, yeah, it was pretty chilly out there this morning, but that's okay because that doesn't deter the people. And it's not nearly as cold as on the Antarctic, where it gets 40, 50, 60, 70 below. This is just kind of mild cold, and uh, people can can do it. But um, I know we're a national network, and we're literally broadcasting this morning from Maui to Maine, coast to coast. And so we don't want to make it sound local. But it is good to share local tidbits with the whole nation. So we have this shrine here in Chicago called Our Lady Guadalupe. It started very humbly. And along the way, I don't know, one of the priests or one of the bishops said, aquí se puede cumplir su manda, which is Spanish for here you can fulfill your commitment, your promise. A manda is a commitment you make to Our Lady Guadalupe that if she helps you out because you prayed for a miracle and she helps you out, you get to go visit her shrine. Now, normally, that was always the shrine in Mexico City. Well, what happens if you don't have the money to go to Mexico City? Or what happens if your documents are not in order and if you cross the border, you can't get back in? Well, if you get this opportunity to come here to display in Chicago to complete, fulfill your manda, your promise, that's why 100, 200, 300,000 people show up for this. And it's beautiful to see how it's grown organically over the years. So that's something really particular to the Chicago area. The other thing is we have here in the Chicago area the only, as far as I know, uh, exact replica of the shrine of the Immaculate Conception, which is in Rome. And that is in my hometown, Mundelein, which is the location of the Seminary for the Archdiocese of Chicago. It's sort of a centerpiece of the whole campus. And growing up in that town, uh, from time to time, we'd go up to the seminary, and I'd see this Roman column, fluted Corinthian column with Our Lady on top and four prophets at the bottom. And I, and I thought, well, that's really something. And then when I went to Rome, when I was a senior in high school, and I said, how about that? Doggone it. Rome has an exact replica of what we've got in my hometown. <laughs> You know, sure, how about I, that? I've seen and then it, I realized it was actually the other way around. Exactly. An exact replica in my hometown over there in Rome, thanks to Cardinal Mundelein, who was the Archbishop of Chicago, lived in Rome, and he brought there. So it it's in the Piazza di Spagna in Rome. Ashley Neronia and John, her husband, can tell you all about it. But it's near the Spanish Steps. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. Um, and every year on this day, except in COVID conditions, the Pope would come out there and bless the statue. At the base of the column, there are four um, prophets, and they all have something to do with a prophecy of a virgin will um, uh, conceive a child. And it's pretty easy to remember. Just remember the word dime, D-I-M-E. D for David, I for Isaiah, M for Micah, E for Ezekiel. And so that was... Um, a shrine that was placed in Rome after Blessed Pius IX declared that as a dogma in 1854 that Mary, by singular grace of God, was conceived without original sin. And then by another grace of God, 
She was always sinless in her life. And that's why we call her full of grace. And so tomorrow, the 8th, is a holy day of obligations for Catholics in this country. Now, in the universal calendar of the Catholic Church, there are actually 12 holy days of obligation. But each conference of the bishops can designate which days are always obligatory. And in our country, the only two days that are always obligatory for Mass, even if they fall on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, or Monday, is Christmas and um, the Immaculate Conception. Other holy days of obligation, like All Saints Day or the Assumption of Our Blessed Mother, if they fall on a Saturday or a Sunday, the Church says, oh, you can just get by by going to Mass on a Sunday. But this feast day is so important. It doesn't matter what day of the week it falls on. We are obliged to go to Mass. And I don't, like, I'm not quite sure I want to use the word obliged. We're lucky to go to Mass. We're lucky to go to Mass and honor Our Lady and thank God for um, her powerful intercession in her life. So that's coming up tomorrow. Really looking forward to it. And I just posted two pictures on my Facebook page about Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. And one is a painting by Murillo. Or he was a Spanish artist, and it's got 30 angels in it. I love that so, one. I hey, love the Murillo. Go. In fact, I have a copy of the Murillo Immaculate Conception in my home that I brought back uh, from El Museo del Prado in Madrid years and, ago. And the amazing thing is the face of one of these angels looks like your producer, Mariano Gomez. <laughs> it's amazing, all right? It's just like he's down on the bottom right, all right? It doesn't have a mustache, though, or a goatee, but looks just like Mariano Gomez. <laughs> We're joined by Father Rocky, CEO of Relevant Radio. We're talking He's about— He's going to kill me. This, <laughs> he's smiling from <laughs> ear to ear over there, Father. Uh, we're talking about this trifecta of Marian feasts that we're celebrating here oh, like uh, during uh, Advent. It, 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 that came to me, Father. Think about I like it. That. In three, trifecta, the trifecta of Marian feasts. Uh, yep. Talk about the, this dogma, the Immaculate Conception, um, a couple of the key points that our audience uh, should know about. Sure. So first, let's unpack the word dogma. It's not a common word. It comes from the Greek. It's about a teaching. In this case, it's a teaching that is so certain that we are required, we're obliged to hold on to it by faith, even if we don't understand it. So what is a, a dogma? A dogma in the church, for instance, is that God is a trinity. That's not something you figure out by reason. It's given to us through revelation. There's three persons in one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Another dogma is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's so essential to our faith, we have to believe it. Or uh, Jesus Christ is truly present in the Holy Eucharist. That's a dogma. Related to Our Lady, down through the course of history, there are four dogmas. First is that she's Mother of God. That comes from the Council of Ephesus and the Council of Chalcedon from the 5th century. And we say that every day when we say the Hail Mary, when we say Holy Mary, Mother of God. That's the greatest title we can give to her. Another dogma of Our Lady is she's ever virgin. She's a virgin before birth, during birth, and after birth. A third one is the Immaculate Conception, which we celebrate tomorrow, which means that Mary, through a singular grace of God, was conceived without the stain of original sin. And by a singular grace of God throughout her life, never committed a personal sin. And the fourth dogma related to Our Lady is that she was assumed into heaven, body and soul, at the end of life on earth. Now, um, it's fascinating to see this. You say, well, you know, why did it take 20 centuries or 19 centuries for the church to declare this dogma? 
Well, I don't think the church is in a rush to declare dogmas unless it's really rock solid certain that it is a dogma. Or there's a lot of things that you don't know. This one we do. And for centuries, great theologians, Franciscans and Dominicans, were in debate about this. And finally, kind of the Franciscans carried the day with a theological reason of Blessed Don Scotus, who said, Potuit, decuit, fecit. That's not English. That's Latin. God could do it. It was fitting. So he did it. Potuit, decuit, fecit. Make a great bumper sticker, wouldn't it? I love when you bring in the Latin, Father Rocky. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, let's leave it right there for a moment. Uh, we need to take a short break, um, and we're going to continue talking about uh, the dogma and the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. If you have a special devotion to our Blessed Mother, if you want to share that with us, uh, maybe you want to share how you honor our Blessed Mother under the title of the Immaculate Conception, or you have a question or comment for Father Rocky, we have open lines as we speak. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. That's eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back momentarily with much more of Father Rocky. Stay with us. Today, we'd like to thank John, who's listening in Illinois, for donating his Pontiac. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com/car. Forty-nine minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks for being with us this morning as we continue talking about uh, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception with our very own Father Rocky, Father Francis Hoffman, the CEO of Relevant Radio. Father Rocky, uh, welcome back. Hey, great to be back with you, John, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. In fact, I'll have a chance to celebrate the Mass for some of our people in our office. Really looking forward to that. And there's a big novena going on in the Chicago area right now down at St. Mary of the Angels, a huge Catholic church down there, and all around the country. So wherever you are, I want all of you to kind of mark your calendar for tomorrow, feast day of the Immaculate Conception. And then Friday is a feast of Lady Loretto. That's a little town in Italy on the Adriatic coast where they have the House of Mary from Nazareth. You might find that incredible, but there's some incredible things. And it was moved there during the Crusades to save it from being plundered and destroyed. And then Sunday is the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And here in the Chicago area, um, just about an hour from here, there's a new shrine to Our Lady of Guadalupe down in St. John, Indiana, called the Shrine of Christ's Passion. So that's what's going on. Absolutely. A lot going on this week. Uh, we have these three beautiful Marian uh, feast days all uh, here in Advent, all uh, bunched up close to each other. If you have a special devotion to our Blessed Mother, if you want to give us a call and share that with us, uh, or you have any kind of question or comment for Father Rocky, uh, we do have a few open lines. They're starting to come in, 888 888-914-9149. Uh, Father Rocky, can we take a call? Sure, go ahead. Let's go. Who's on? Richard is joining us from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Good morning, Richard. Hi, Richard. Good morning, Father. Hello. Good to hear you talk to you again. Uh, one mm -hmm. quick comment about the timing of the proclamation of the Doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. I think one reason, perhaps the primary reason, the Doctrine had not been uh, formally proclaimed prior, or I should say the Holy Spirit did not 
with the church to form Brooklyn uh, prior was that it was not until the mid-19th century that uh, the ovum was definitively discovered and, and uh, accepted in Western medicine. Uh, so it wasn't until the mid-19th century that uh, the biological process of conception was actually understood uh, because the picture of conception biologically was very different until then. Uh, more like a seed being planted in the soil, but the fact that it turns out there actually is a conceptus, a thing which comes into being at a moment, uh, did not exist. Conception before that was sort of a philosophical concept, meaning the beginning of life. But with the discovery of the ovum and the process of fertilization, we now know that conception matches up with the process called fertilization. So there is a conception. So the phrase, I am the immaculate conception, now makes sense, whereas it would not have before. Uh, so I think that's why the Holy Spirit did not move the church to make this definition until we had a handle on the biology. I've never heard that connection before. Richard, what's your background? Are you a medical doctor, biologist? I only remember from Rock. I'm an engineer. Um, and I work in nuclear well, fusion. That's mostly. pretty close. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> close. I never made that connection, but um, I'm trying to you know, connect the dots because the church is very interested in data. The church is very interested in science, even though sometimes contemporary mass media, secular media makes us look like Catholics are against knowledge and science. And of course we are, because we love the truth. We really want to know the mm -hmm. whole truth. And that's why it's quite fascinating. A hundred years later, Pius XII, right? So it was Pius IX in 1854, declared this dogma. A hundred years later, in the 1950s, he released a encyclical called Humani Generis, where he stated, not in a dogmatic fashion, but just stated that the entire human race is descended from one man and one woman. And let's make it more precise mm -hmm. today because of the gender ideology from one male and one female. <laughs> it wouldn't be until mm -hmm. the late 1980s that two uh, scientific laboratories working completely independently of each other, one in England and one in California, came up with the same conclusion through regression analysis of DNA genome mapping throughout the world. And so the church always loves science and data and facts and truth. Um, there's no institution in the history of the world is more interested in that. And uh, so I'm glad you make that, that connection there. It was uh, in God's time. And, um, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit moved into it. Thank you, Richard, for listening. Okay. Thanks so much, uh, Richard. Um, Father Rocky, you know, uh, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception uh, was not formally d defined until the 19th century, but uh, the Church has always uh, believed, even from the earliest of times, uh, that uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary was without sin. And much of that is, is based on uh, Luke 128, uh, right out of our prayer, sure. the Hail Mary prayer, full of grace, gratia plena, in the Latin, as, as you love to use. Uh, can you talk about that reality? She who was full yeah. of grace. I mean, you're right to a certain extent. I say the church always believed that, but um, not everybody in the church believed that, right? So uh, the Dominicans, um, and there's some great theologians there, all right? So there's Albert the Great, there's uh, Thomas Aquinas and others, were of the sense, well, if she didn't have original sin, then she didn't need Christ because Christ came into this world to save us. So it had to be worked out in a very sophisticated way that it was a prevenient grace. That's a great word, which is now in the new translation of General Roman, uh, uh, the, the Roman Missal, thanks be to John Paul II, also um, the late Cardinal George, who brought the English uh, version into, um, into vogue here in 2011. It's a prevenient grace. We'll hear that tomorrow 
in the offertory prayer, which means a grace that came before in view of her role. And um, so it's quite interesting. So, you know, um, why is this? Well, you know, John Scotus gives the best theological explanation, potuit, dequit, fecit. God could do it. It was fitting, so he did it. Now, there are two others who've been born um, without sin, but none who have been conceived without original sin. So Jesus was born without sin and without original sin, but he was never conceived. The, the word we use in the Nicene Creed is begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. And they've got John the Baptist, who was sanctified in the womb by the presence of Jesus, the womb of Mary at the visitation. And, um, you know, he was born later without sin, but he wasn't conceived without original sin, but only our lady was. So what's the practical a consequence of all this? Mary's one of us. She's not God. She's our mother. And even though she was conceived without original sin, never committed sin, she's got a heart for us who are sinners. And so it's good for us to turn to her in our needs and we do that every night in the Family Rosary across America. 100,000 or more people show up for the rosary praying for these intentions. Right now we're praying for a miracle. We're praying for an end to legal abortion in our country and for an outpouring of grace for expectant mothers out there. So I want to encourage everybody listening right now um, to join us every night at 7 p.m. Central Time for the Family Rosary Cross America on Relevant Radio, on RelevantRadio.com. Or if you want to, you can follow it on the Brother Radio YouTube channel or the Father Rocky Facebook page or our Facebook page, wherever you do it. You know, you can be in the living room, you can be in the dining room, you can be in the kitchen, you can be in the garage, you can be in the car, you can be in the office, you could be on a treadmill, you could be on an elliptical, wherever you want. All right, so that's my commercial. I love the commercial. I love uh, participating in the rosary in my living room, watching it on on, on television uh, via the uh, YouTube. It's it's a great way to watch it. That you can really really take it in. Uh, Father Rocky, as always, thank you so much uh, for being with us here in anticipation of this Thanks, great John. feast. Father Francis Hoffman, Father Rocky, the CEO of Relevant Radio. Now it's time for another edition of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called, Who Started This Christmas Stuff? A woman was out Christmas shopping with her two children. After many hours of looking at row after row of toys and everything else imaginable, and after hours of hearing both children asking for everything they saw on those many shelves, she finally made it to the elevator with the kids in tow and her arms loaded with her purchases. She was feeling what so many of us feel during the holiday season. She was overwhelmed with the pressures to go to every party, every housewarming, taste all the holiday food and treats, and get that perfect gift for every single person on her shopping list. She had to make sure she didn't forget anyone on her card list, and the pressure of being sure she responded to everyone who sent her a card was almost more than she could bear. Finally, the elevator doors opened. There was already a crowd in the elevator, but she pushed her way into the car, dragging her two kids and all the bags of stuff in with her. When the doors closed, she couldn't take it anymore and stated, Whoever started this whole Christmas thing should be found, strung up, and shot. From the back of the car, everyone heard a quiet, calm voice respond, Don't worry, we already crucified him. For the rest of the trip down the elevator, it was so quiet you could have heard a pin drop. Don't forget this year to keep the one who started this whole Christmas thing in your every thought, deed, purchase, and word. If we all did it, just think of how different this whole world would be. John 10.10, I came that they may have life and might have it abundantly. 
Thanks so much, Glenn. That's what it's all about. want to remind you, you can always listen to any of Glenn's Story Corners or any of our morning air podcasts or any segment of the show that you might want to share with others. Just download it at the Relevant Radio app and at relevantradio.com. Honor our Blessed Mother. Uh, pray with Father Rocky, the family rosary across America with all your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio. That'll do it for this edition of the show. For the entire team, I'm John Morales. Let your light shine before all. We'll see you tomorrow.